thanks for listening to the Radiant Church Podcast. This is David Perkins, and we're so glad that you're listening. Hey, if you're a part of our family meeting online or in person, we want to encourage you to get connected at Radiant Church KC across all social media platforms. God is doing something incredible in Kansas City, and we love connecting with you, whether it's through our app or even through all the content available on our YouTube page. Hey, our prayer is that God uses this message to change your life and that you could become a dynamic disciple of Jesus. Thanks for listening. Enjoy this message. We are overjoyed. We, it's just a fun time of the year. As we, it's like that feeling of new beginnings every January. Um, and I just am so excited to continue the Supernatural series that David, Pastor David kicked off last week. And um, he'll be back next week. We'll start 21 days of prayer and fasting next Sunday as well. That's such an exciting time for us as a church. And I'm just so thankful. I'm thankful for Pastor David's leadership the entire year, but in particular during these 21 days of fast, it's how he leads the church and so intentionally, spiritually during these 21 days is just so special and unique. And we're just so grateful for that. And as, as always, I'm excited to share with you today what I believe the word the, the Lord has for us. And our key verse in this series has been this. It's been Zechariah 4, 6. And he says this, then he said to me, this is the word of the Lord to Zerubbabel, Try starting your morning off with trying to say Zerubbabel in front of people. Um, Not by might, not by power, but by my spirit, says the Lord of hosts. I love this verse. It's so powerful. But let's pray, and then we're going to jump in. And if you're uh, an overachiever and you want to get ahead, we're going to be in 2 Corinthians chapter 3. But uh, let's pray before we get there. Jesus, we thank you. We thank you for the gift of your Holy Spirit, God, that it doesn't have to be by might or by our own power, God, but it, can be, it is only by your Spirit today. God, I pray that your Holy Spirit would speak to us through your word, God, that you wouldn't leave us the same, that your desire and your heart for us is to be transformed. So God, I pray that your Holy Spirit would transform us today. In Jesus' name. And all of our church say amen. 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 All right. So we're going to jump into 2 Corinthians chapter 3. We're going to start in verse 17 today. And it says this, Paul writes, now the Lord is the spirit and where the spirit of the Lord is, there's freedom. You guys just thank God for freedom. Amen. And then in verse 18, he says, and we all with unveiled face, beholding the glory of the Lord are being transformed into the same image from one degree of glory to another. For this comes from the Lord who is the Spirit. This verse is so powerful. There's so much truth packed into these two verses. And really, we're going to camp out in verse 18 so much today that we're actually going to come back to it two other times throughout today's our time together today. And I believe that God has something so powerful in these verses because God's goal for our life is not that we just get through it. You know, I think so much has changed over the last few years, and we've gotten this mentality that we're just trying to get through life, right? We're just trying to just make it. But the God we serve and the Holy Spirit that, we can reside, that resides inside of us, the goal of us following Jesus is not just to get through life. But it's to have a faith that is rooted, that is grounded, that is mature, that our root system will go down deep so that we can have a fruitful life, so we can have an impactful life, a life that is not, and a faith that is not quickly broken. The goal is for us to move beyond uh, our fair weather, the fickle faith that, that can just kind of come and go, and with every new cycle or every storm of life can just push us over. 
But the supernatural life that God is calling each and every single one of us to live is a life that goes beyond that. To impact, to faith, to transformation, to making a difference. And if we want to thrive in this life, we have to have the Holy Spirit empowering us. When you, when you look at life, there's the only way for us to thrive in this life is the empowerment of the Holy Spirit. Because God has not plucked you out of eternity past and eternity future and placed you into the here and now simply to get through. But so often the trap for us is that we want to just, we just want to hold our ground. But God's saying, no, no, I want you to take ground. I want you to move the kingdom. I want you to advance the kingdom of God forward because God's power comes for God's purpose. The power of God isn't isn't active in our life. A supernatural power of God isn't active in our life just so that we can feel good about ourselves. It is there. It is empowering us to make a difference in this world. There's There's an old story I want to tell you. It's there's this college football coach who was going on the recruiting trail and he was visiting these high schools and he was talking to one of these high school coaches and the high school coach looks at him and says, hey, um, so what kind of player are you looking for? How can I help you? And the recruiter goes, you know that player that, that he gets knocked down and he, he doesn't get back up? The coach goes, yeah, absolutely. He's like, I'm not looking for that guy. And so then the coach goes, okay, well, Tell me more. And the the recruiter goes, you know, the guy who gets knocked down once and he gets back up and then he gets knocked down again. And and that second time he just stays down. And the coach goes, yeah. He's like, I don't, I don't want him either. And then the recruiter goes, and you know, that guy who gets knocked down and and gets back up and then he gets knocked down and he gets knocked, gets back up and then he gets knocked down again. And, and, and coach goes, oh, I I think I, I know where this is going. That's the kind of guy you're looking for, right? And the recruiter looks at him and goes, no, I want the guy who's knocking all these people down. (laughs) But so, but in our hearts, that's that's how we look at Christianity. Like God has called us to knock some people down, to take some ground for the kingdom of God. I want to show you this this graphic behind me. There's author uh, Nicholas, uh, Nassim Nicholas Tlaib calls this concept that I want to, I want to hang out on today, anti-fragility. And this is what I think happens. So on one side of a spectrum, you've got this concept of fragile, right? And we don't really need to define what fragile is because we collectively, we know what it is. It's something that is easily broken, right? So if your faith is fragile, to apply it to, to our talk today, if your faith is fragile, when a storm of life hits you, when, when something impacts you, you break easily. You punt on following God. You give up. You're like, no, I can't do this. I can't handle this. And it's, and it's gone. Now, most of us, I think, what happens is we, we know that fragile is bad, right? And we know that we're supposed to progress and mature. So we, we come to this, this next area of resilient. Now, resilient faith is strong. Right? It's, it's, it's this idea of, oh, we can be resilient. We want to be able to weather the storms of life. But the problem with resilience is it's not, one, it's not the actual opposite of fragile. Because when something is fragile, it breaks. When something is resilient, it is unchanged. So when you go through a storm, when you go through a difficulty, when you go through the last two years of your life, if you have left unchanged, you've been resilient. Yes. But God's goal for you and I are not to be unchanged. God's goal for our life is what I would call this term, or this, this term anti-fragile, which means when something impacts you, you get better. 
So when a storm of life, when a situation, when a crisis, when a difficulty impacts your life, you're not just left unchanged, you get better. A mythological creature that would do this in in literature would be the hydra. You know the, the mythological creature, when you cut off one of its head, two grow back in its place? This is the concept of spiritual anti-fragility. It's not that we just go through and we break down every time a storm of life hits us. Nor is it that we would remain unchanged. That we would be that person who just, I'm just going to weather these storms, and I'm just going to praise God. I'm just going to make it through, and I'm not going to quit. I'm not going to punt, but I'm not going to get better. I'm going to stay the same. No, no, no. God is calling us, and we're going to look at throughout the New Testament here in a moment, but God is calling us not just to be resilient, but to get better. Because here's, here's the fact. A crisis is a terrible thing to waste. You have the opportunity to grow and become better and become stronger and to take ground for the kingdom of God, but it takes moving beyond fragility and resilience and stepping into this idea of anti-fragility. And the temptation for all of us is always here. It's always to say, hey, I'm just going to, I just want to coast. I'm tired. I'm stressed. I feel like the stressors are all around me and the box is closing in and it's hard for me to even take a deep breath and really feel like I'm, I'm, I'm alive right now. I'm, the stress is so palpable in your life. But God wants us to not just get through life. He wants us to be transformed. James wrote it like this, and I, I love the book of James personally because James is like, you know the, the term ripping a Band-Aid off? James is rip a Band-Aid off kind of guy, which I appreciate. It's like James is just going to tell you to you as straight as it is. Paul's going to write a poem about it. It's, it's this great juxtaposition between the two of them. But James chapter 1, verse 2, he says this. He says, count it all joy, my brothers, when you meet trials of various kinds. I just even love the phrasing there, when you meet trials of various kinds. First, he's saying, count it joy. Count it a joy when you meet a trial. Not when you're overtaken by a trial. Not when you're walking through life this way and a trial, a trial overtakes you. And, or you, you happen upon a trial, but when you, you meet a trial. Language of meet, it's like this face-to-face. It's like, no, 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 I see that there's a trial, and I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to lean in. I'm going to go straight onto it. When you meet a trial of various kinds, for you know that the testing of your faith produces steadfastness. And verse four says, let steadfastness have its full effect, that you may be perfect and complete, lacking in nothing. Let's jump down to verse 12, because he keeps going in this, this thread. It says, blessed is the man who remains steadfast under trial, for when he has stood the test, he will receive the crown of life, which God has promised to those who love him. James is telling us that we're not just supposed to get through life. He's saying, listen, things are going to happen to you that will try you, that will be difficult, that will be hard. And he's saying, you're not supposed to break and you're not just supposed to get through it. You're actually supposed to be, you're supposed to grow through it. That the trying of your faith works steadfastness and steadfastness produces all of the spiritual maturity is tied to it. James is saying that we were meant to be transformed. Paul uses the language. I told you we're going to circle back around to 2 Corinthians multiple times. Here's the second time. And it says, And we all, with unveiled face, beholding the glory of the Lord, are being transformed into the same image from one degree of glory to another. For this comes from the Lord who is the Spirit. The act of transformation is an active word. 
Spiritual transformation does not come from living a spiritual sedentary life. We have to be taking ground. We have to be moving forward, embracing the process of transformation so that we can become transformed people. Listen, even on a cellular level, on a biological level, your body knows this to be true. So how many of you guys have started New Year's resolutions or New Year's goals? Okay, this, I'm maybe not in the right room then. Okay, so most people, when they set New Year's resolutions, are like, it's something like, I'm going to get healthy. I want to I work out more. I want to eat better. I want to, you know, choose joy. I want to use social media less, whatever it is. I want to read more, all these different things. Well, when you begin the process of, I'm going to start working out, I'm going to start getting in shape, or all, all those things, your body actually does not get stronger while you work out. Did you know that? This is, this is the craziest thing in the world. Your body doesn't get stronger. What happens is you're actually tearing your body down. So on a cellular level, when you lift weights, when you work out, when you go for a run, you're, you're actually putting stress on your body so that your muscle tissues break down. You're literally creating these micro tears within your muscle tissue. And your body responds by making you stronger. Your body is, talk, is displaying anti-fragility. It's when stress is applied, when difficulty is applied, it may tear you down for a moment, but your response is to become stronger, better, fitter, more, more healthy, because that's, we, we have to be able to withstand the stressors of life. Your body is showing you the same picture. See, you can't get stronger without weight being stacked on the bar. You can't build muscle without make, tearing your muscles down. No matter what you're going through in life, God has a purpose and a plan. And just because you're going through a difficulty does not mean God's purpose has stopped for your life. In fact, many times the difficulty that you're going through is actually what's preparing you to be stronger for the next season of your life. God has a proven track record of bringing good things through bad situations. Listen, Paul goes on to write. I love the writings of Paul, in particular in 2 Corinthians. We're going to jump down to chapter 4. He, Paul writes in verse 8, We are afflicted in every way, but not crushed. We're perplexed, but not driven to despair. We're persecuted, but not forsaken. Struck down, but not destroyed. Paul's communicating resilience, right? He's like, hey, we have all these things coming against us, but we're, 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 not, we're not breaking down. But he doesn't stop there, because if you jump down to verse 17, he says, For this light, momentary affliction is preparing for us an internal weight of glory beyond all comparison. Not only are we being pushed on every side, is the box coming in. You know, some of you guys who are claustrophobic, you're getting claustrophobic just thinking about being in a box like that. It's like the stressing you out, and you're, you know, you're getting the stress sweat and all the things. But the reality is, even though we are being pushed on every side, we're pressed down, hard pressed, hard days, hard life, hard finances, hard relationships, hard health, all of these things, it's actually serving a purpose to make us better. And everything that God entrusts to us, even the difficulties, has the ability to help us to grow and to multiply and to expand our faith and our ability to make a difference in life. I love Nassim Tlaib says this, the same wind that extinguishes a candle fuels a fire. So often we're trying to, we're looking at our, our lives and we're going, something must be wrong because it's hard. What would happen if you looked at your life and said something must be going right because it's hard? 
Difficulty is not the absence of God. Stress does not mean God has left you. Sometimes when we're not, even when we're not moving, we don't feel like we're taking any ground at all. That's when God is doing his deepest work in us. The term Paul uses for transformation in the Greek word is metamorpho, which is where we get the word metamorphosis. It's the, the process, you know, of a caterpillar turning into a butterfly. On the exterior, it looks when that, that process is happening that the caterpillar is not moving, it's not changing, it's stagnant, it's still, it's, it's fragile, right? But what God is doing in that stationary environment is utterly and completely transforming the core of what that animal, that insect looks like. And no one would ever go, if, I, if I'm a moth or a butterfly, I would go back to being a caterpillar. But we gotta go through the process of transformation. We gotta be willing to submit ourselves to life's difficulties at times, to life's stresses at times, so that we can grow through them. So how do we build this supernatural faith? How do we build this anti-fragile faith? The first thing we have to do is you have to actually do the right thing the right way. And I know that's very helpful for those of you taking notes. You're like, that's deep, Nathan. <laughs> Glad you went to Bible school for that one. Oftentimes what I found is that when we want spiritual maturity, we want a shortcut. And let me tell you, I just want to just let you know, I want to I be a James to you today. There are no shortcuts to spiritual maturity. It takes embracing the process. See, at the doorway, I believe one of the door, key doorways to a spiritual mature life, a supernatural life, a life that's anti-fragile is this. It's a life of prayer and fasting. And there are no shortcuts there. As much as we would love a supernatural spiritual shortcut, there's, there's not many. And oftentimes we can try to do the right thing. We want the right goal. We have the right thing in mind. We, this is what we want. But we want to take a means to get it that isn't actually going to work. In the late 1800s, early 1900s, there was um, the construction of the Panama Canal was being done. So 1890s, 1880s-ish. Um, France was initially leading the charge on building this construction project, which is this, when you look at it, it's this crazy construction project. Construction project. It's, it's amazing what they were doing. And the intent of the Panama Canal was to connect the Atlantic Ocean to the Pacific Ocean so that ships and, you know, the, wouldn't have to make an over 8,000-mile trip around South America, all the way around back up to the Pacific Ocean. And in the first two decades of this construction project, over 20,000 people died. They died of malaria and, and the yellow fever. And it's just, this crazy tragedy was happening. So the teams trying to combat this issue did everything they could to eradicate and stop ants. They did everything they could to stop the ant population. So they were taking fruit trees and they were putting, literally they would make, they would put moats of water around fruit trees in the hospital beds. They knew people were dying of these diseases, malaria, yellow fever. So on the, on the bedpost, literally in every bedpost, they would put a bowl of water and set the bed in these four posts on these bowls of water so that the ants couldn't cross the water to get to the people. And they were doing everything they could to stop the ants. The problem is, Ants have nothing to do with malaria. Ants have nothing to do with yellow fever. And you know what insects love stagnant water? Mosquitoes. Mosquitoes were the actual culprit. So they're spending all of their energy trying to fix a problem, but they're not going about it the right way. 
So then after two decades, the United States jumped in, started spearheading the, the project with uh, President Roosevelt, who's a favorite of mine. And he, they leaned in, they did all the research, the scientists, the doctors, all of a sudden they put screens on the windows, they put mosquito nets, they got rid of all of the standing stagnant water all around it. And over the last 20 years of the project, less than 5,000 people died. Why? Because he solved the problem the right way. So many of us look at our lives and say, here's the problem, here's the stressor, here's the issue. I'm gonna try and solve it. But for us to embrace spiritual maturity and to develop an anti-fragile faith, we have to apply the right process. The right process, one of the keys to it is prayer and fasting. Why, why does this matter? Why? Because Prayer and fasting positions you in a place you're intentionally applying a stressor to your life so that you can grow. See, there are times when we're going through difficulties in life and those difficulties shape us and mature us and grow us, which is true and beautiful and wonderful. However, what a season of prayer and fasting does is it's, I'm going to intentionally lean into this process and embrace this process of applying stress to my life Come on, let's be real. When you give up something, it applies a stressor, right? I'm going to apply the stress to my life so that I can position myself for intentional spiritual growth. There's a reason why we as a church start our year with prayer and fasting. Before we do any spiritual ministry happening, before small groups launch, before you know, all the other things happen over the year, the events, all of the wonderful things that are going to happen, we start with prayer and fasting because when we see through history, God at work supernaturally among his people, most frequently it starts with a man or a woman of God committing to prayer and fasting. There's a Latin phrase called via negativa, which means this. It means growth through subtraction. So when we fast, what we're saying is, well, I'm not just removing something on my life for the sake of removing it from my life. I'm removing something from my life so that I can grow. You see, we don't fast so that after the holidays and we've been eating too much and eating too much rich food and all those things, we don't fast to get our diets right. That's just dieting. We fast, we remove good things from our life so that we can have space to grow and to add spirituality, add a maturity, add a depth that we didn't have previously to our lives. So that's why we pray first. That's why we fast first. That's why we do these things first. Because if we don't start our year being filled with the spirit of God, being empowered by him, then we won't end our year exactly where he wants us. We want to take time to intentionally open the door and apply these stresses, allow these stresses to, to impact our life in a real way so that we can grow. We want to start our year by denying our flesh so that we can end our year full of the Holy Spirit. Listen, you cannot take spiritual ground without applying spiritual means. When you want to mature in your faith, you have to apply the methodology that the Bible talks about over and over and over again. There are no shortcuts to spiritual maturity. The reason why it's called fasting and not slowing is because it's implying the stress around our life so that we can become anti-fragile. Look, I don't want to live a life that's just resilient and is just, I, this is the ground God gave me and I didn't lose an inch of it. No, no, no. That is not what God has called us to do. 
God says, every time you get knocked down, every time you get hit, every time you go through a stressor, every time you go through a trial, every time you intentionally fast something, you give up lesser things, anytime you do that, it's so that you can become better, you can become stronger, so that you can take more ground for the kingdom of God, not so that you can just hold your ground. We're far too easily settled as Christians. God hasn't called us to hold ground. God has called us to take ground for the kingdom of God. He says the kingdom of God is advancing. And he actually goes on and says, the violent take it by force. Over and over, the Bible points to fasting and prayer as a key way to drawing closer to God. There's so many examples. This is not an exhaustive list. I'm going to give you a handful of them. Over and over, you see David in the Psalms talking about fasting. First and second Samuel, you see him fasting all over the place. Um, Moses on Mount Sinai, Nehemiah before he heads to Jerusalem to build a wall. Esther, and um, she, he, she and the entire nation fast when they were about to get massacred. Daniel fasting frequently, regularly. That's where we get the Daniel fast. Ezra, Isaiah, John the Baptist. John's disciples were known to be people of fasting. Anna, in the uh, account of Luke, you see Anna being a woman of God, full of faith, prayer, and fasting, being able to hold the child Jesus before she died. You see um, Jesus' disciples, Peter was fasting when he received the vision of the, the, the blanket being laid down over and over and over again. You see these accounts of men and women of God all throughout scriptures embracing a life of prayer and of fasting. And Jesus says, it's the famous verse Jesus talks about fasting. He says, and when you fast, it's so, mentioned so frequently, over 120 times in the Bible, fasting is mentioned specifically. Like, think about it, 120 times. That's a high degree of intentionality. But the trap, the goal, the focus is that we can so easily say, I'm comfortable. I want to take it easy. You know what? The last two years have been hard. I don't know what this year's going to look like, and neither do, neither do I. None of us do. So I'm just going to take it easy and just relax for a little while. But the heartbeat and the goal for each and every single one of us is to move from just simple strength and resilience your own might, your own power, but to be people who are living by the Spirit of God, empowered by the Spirit of God, taking ground through the Spirit of God. So what is, why, why do we have to fast to do this? You see, fasting turns down the distractions. How many of you guys have ever gotten lost? You ever been driving around and you just gotten lost? Okay, you guys are way more honest than last service. They were, they were lying on Sunday. So, when you get lost, what's the first thing you do? You turn your radio down, right? You just go, you, just, you turn the knob down, you kill the radio, you turn the radio down. What's the second thing you do if you're a parent? Shh. You start waving at your kids, like whatever's in arm reach, you just wave. You're like trying to shush them somehow. You're like, shh, shh. And invariably, one of your children, probably your second and your middle child, will go, what? <laughs> what? <laughs> and you go, be quiet. I need you to be quiet. Why? Because I'm trying to see. Wait. You're try you, you need them to be quiet so that you can see. And I'm sure your kids are like my kids and go, what? Sometimes you have to turn down your other distractions so that you can see what's ahead. 
21 days of prayer, 21 days of fasting, is you intentionally turning down the competing distractions. It's turning the radio down. It's turning the audiobook down, the podcast, whatever it is. It's turning down the competing stimuli, the competing noises in your life so that you can see clearly what the Spirit of God is saying to you. So you can see what he wants to do in your life so that you can, it makes your soul more sensitive and receptive to his voice. Because your lives are, our lives are like dominoes. And when we begin to take spiritual ground, when we take an intentional season to say, I'm going to grow in my faith, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to fast, I'm going to pray. It's like a spiritual domino that the, the effects of it begin to cascade and push down in all of these other areas of our lives. And then all of a sudden, months from now, you can be receiving and, and living in the effect of a domino you push down in January. God wants to do more through your life. God wants to take you to take ground in your life. He wants you to make a difference for the kingdom of God and your sphere of influence. But it takes moving beyond the mentality, I just want to be resilient. I just want to hold my ground. And moving into the ground where I am going to become anti-fragile, I'm going to look at my life and say that a stressor, that a crisis, that a difficulty is a terrible thing to waste. So I'm going to get better. I'm going to improve. I'm going to grow. I'm going to mature. Because I know that through the spirit of God, I can live a supernatural life that impacts the kingdom of God. God. Listen, spiritual legacies are never built on intention. They're solidified through action. And God is calling us to be a people of action, not intentions. So often it's easy to go, well, I meant to. I wanted to. I could have. I should have. I would have if this situation would have went like this and then I would have been able to do this and then it all would have worked out perfectly if just this thing could have been. Our spiritual legacies aren't built through intention. They're built through our actions. So what step can you take today? Prayer and fasting. It's this incredible moment where we're not trying to align God to our will but we're trying to align our will to God's will. Amen. You know, it's not, a, it's not a spiritual lottery ticket. It's not like a scratcher, you know what I mean? Like, oh, hey, boom, I, I fasted and look, I won 20 bucks. It's not like that concept. It's fasting is positioning yourself and saying, I'm gonna let go of the things that are holding me back so that I can receive what God has for me. Amen. And the question for all of us is that, what's the one thing that's holding you back? You know, what one aspect of your life, one one area of your life, if it changed, everything would become better. You know, maybe when you look at your life, maybe it's not a big egregious sin. Maybe you don't have some big underlying hidden addiction, or maybe it's not that. But maybe you you binge eat when you're stressful. Maybe you spend too much time on Netflix. Maybe you, you spend time on Instagram and you really, you're just captivated and you're captured by people's opinions of you and, and your, your confidence and your, your self-assurance goes up and down based on the number of likes you get on a post or, or, or shares or whatever. What is the one thing that is holding you back? What would your life look like if that wasn't holding you back anymore? If you said, I'm going to grow through subtraction, I'm going to allow that thing to go to the wayside. I'm going to set it aside so that I can intentionally grow through the spirit of God. I love the book of Hebrews. It says in 12, one says, therefore, since we are surrounded by so great a cloud of witnesses. If you read Hebrews 11, that great faith chapter, you can go through and see how almost every single one of those people mentioned were, were a man or a woman of God who prayed and fasted regularly. 
surrounded by so great a cloud of witnesses, let us also lay aside every weight and every sin which clings so closely and let us run with endurance the race that is set before us. Let's lay all the weights aside. Everything that could be holding you back, everything that can be slowing you down, we're gonna intentionally push all of those, those good things to the side so we can focus on the best thing. And here's my advice, here's my, my tip for you. Don't focus on what you're giving up. Become obsessed with what you're gaining. Because if, you're, if you focus 21 days on the thing that you're giving up, you're gonna be miserable by day two. But if you allow your focus and your, you become obsessed with the presence of God and the spirit of God, reading his word, praying, intentional, journaling, developing this, this holy tenacity in the quiet place of your life, you will be amazed at what you see God do through you the rest of the year. 2 Corinthians 3.18, the third time around this loop, and we all with unveiled face, beholding the glory of the Lord are being transformed into the same image from one degree of glory to another. For this comes from the Lord who is the spirit. This is this process to go from resilient to supernatural, anti-fragile. We behold and we're transformed. We behold and we are transformed. And then we behold more and we're transformed more. And we behold more and we're transformed more. And it doesn't matter if you're 16, if you're 60, there is more for you. It doesn't matter how long you've been following Jesus, there is more for you. None of us have arrived. None of us have hit a landing zone and said, I'm just trying to land the plane and come in smooth. No, 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 I behold and I'm transformed. I'm intentionally whether it's a stressor I've, I intentionally put myself under like fasting or waking up early, or whatever it is, or if it's something that life throws my way. It's a trial I meet along the way. No matter what, I'm gonna behold and I'm gonna be transformed. And I'm gonna behold and I'm going to be transformed over and over and over again because there is something special that happens when we willingly lay aside all the things that life tries to get us to pick up. All the weights, all the stresses, all the issues and align our lives with the story that God is telling. Because in our short attention spans, we get fixated in all these little issues. But de a decade from now, these little seemingly big things right now, you're gonna look back and you're not gonna say, oh man, I really wish I would have watched more Netflix. I really wish I would have this. My goal in my heart for each and every single one of you friends is this, is that when you look back a decade from now, you don't see the story of things you gave up, but you see the story of a God at work in your life. And you see the faithfulness of spiritual maturity taking place in your heart and in your life over and over and over again. And listen, I don't know what it's gonna look like exactly for you. 
Even when you look at the stories of people, the men and women of God who are praying and fasting in the Bible, you see such this, this wide dichotomy of situations and outcomes. You see Moses on Mount Sinai, I mean, part, he's parting seas, he's doing all these things, these miracles after miracle. You see Elijah, fire from heaven, raising the dead, I mean, just crossing the Jordan River, I mean, all of these incredible miracles. You see Nehemiah heading to Jerusalem with some saws and some hammers to build a wall. It's not always the big miraculous, but the same supernatural God who was at work in Moses was at work in Nehemiah. The same God who's at work in Elijah was at work in Anna. The same God who's at work in the disciples is at work in your life. It doesn't matter the outcome because when you follow and you align your life with Jesus, the power of his Holy Spirit at work in your life will transform your life. You don't have to just hold your ground. You can take ground. You know, we talk a lot about here, we talk a lot about next steps around here. We talk about joining small groups and the dream team and, and radiant DNA and all these other things that you can do and you can get involved in. But I want, I want you to know that it's not about those things. It's about what God does through those things and in those things. It's when you join a small group, you get, to, you get knit together with other men and women of God. And you get the opportunity to speak into one another's lives too. When you're going through that stressor to have those people to go, you can keep going. Come on, I know the trying of your faith right now, but it's gonna work perseverance. It's gonna work steadfastness in your life. And you can have those people cheering you on, locking your arms, say, don't give up, don't quit. Come on, you can keep going, you can keep fighting, you can keep praying, you can keep fasting, you can keep growing. This is going to transform you from one image to the next. We need those people in our lives. So it's not that we think that you that a small group in and of itself will do that. It's when it happens when you get into the small group. So what happens when you're serving along the other side of people, it's not that you're just on a dream team. It's about embracing and a stain in the process of spiritual transformation. We're gonna align our lives through the power of the Holy Spirit so that we can empower to do the work of God in this world so that we can make a difference. And just right where you're at today, I just want to ask you this question. And I'm going to ask you just to, to create some space, some mental, mental bandwidth is how I would want you to think about it. So just close your eyes, let's bow our heads today. And again, we're doing this just so you can have some, a little bandwidth. Sometimes our, it's like quieting down the radio. We need some space. And just right where you're at today, I'm going to ask you a, a kind of a bold question. And I, my hope and my prayer is that you'll be honest, is that that. Maybe at one time you, you would have called your faith supernatural or anti-fragile, but you've kind of allowed yourself to drift back into this, this middle ground. And today you're saying, I want to take that step. I want to, I want to respond to what the Holy Spirit of God is saying today. And I want to move from resilient or just a strong faith into a supernatural anti-fragile faith. If that's you, I just, I just want you to stick your hand up in the air just for a moment. Amen. 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 You guys can put your hands down. I just want to, specifically, I just want to spend a moment and pray for you. Jesus, I pray for my friends. God, I pray for every single hand that went up in this moment. 
God, whether they're here in the room, whether they're joining us online, God, I pray right now that you would do a supernatural work inside of us. God, we stand on your word. We know that the trying of our faith works. God, we know that you've called us to be transformed from a caterpillar to a butterfly, that you've said that we're gonna be transformed from one image of your glory to the next. So God, we say, do it in us. God, that we're willing, we're here, and we say yes again. Amen, and as we stay in this, this posture right here, I, I wanna ask you a question. Maybe you've never said yes to Jesus. See, that's the first step in this journey of having a supernatural faith, of stepping across the line of faith and saying yes to Jesus. Interwoven and even the idea of Christianity is a supernatural, miraculous faith. We believe that Jesus was born of a virgin, lived a perfect life, died on a cross in place for us, for our sins, and then was buried and dead and then rose from the dead and didn't just stay rose, but then ascended back to heaven. The first step in your life of having a supernatural faith is saying yes to Jesus. So if that's you today, just right where you're at, no one's looking around, just, I want you to stick your hand up in the air just for a moment. Amen. 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 For everyone who raised their hands just now, we're just gonna, we're gonna pray the simple prayer together. So just make this prayer, I'm gonna say it out loud, but you just make this prayer your prayer in this moment. Jesus, save me. I believe your word. I believe that you died on the cross for my sin, for my mistakes. I believe that you rose from the dead defeating the power of sin in my life. So now I give you my life and I commit to following you for the rest of my life. In Jesus' name, amen. Amen. Ready, church? Can we stand on our feet and put our hands together for every single person who prayed those prayers today? Come on. Come on, Radiant. Come on. This is a, the greatest miracle we'll ever experience in life is salvation. Come on. Let's give it up for them.